Coming at you live from Softly HQ this week, we've got Theo Ballard, physical therapist extraordinaire for special operations, works uh, with the Special Forces guys down at Fort Bragg, and I uh, hope you tune in this week. He's got a lot of great information about the cultural mindset of working out and therapy, and also how you need, can best prep your body to be as physically fit as possible and prevent as many injuries as you can. So stay tuned. Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast. Tell us a little bit, bit about yourself, man. Like, what's what's the dealio going on in the world of physical therapy. Yeah, the, the physio world. Well, I've been a PT for about eight years. Started, you know, simple private practice facility up in Maryland. Kind of got sick of the 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 structured insurance-based rehab and just wanted to treat patients the way I wanted to treat them without all the red tape. <clears throat> um, had some internships at different VA clinics and different facilities where I got to actually treat soldiers and operators and so forth. And that just changed my view. So, you know, contract opened up down here at Fort Bragg, came down and kind of rest is history. Just Are you under the Thor 3 contract? Yeah. 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 Right on. It's POTIF. So yeah, it's like preservation of force and okay. family. Yep. And Thor 3 was amazing. Is that, it's always seems like it's a question mark, right? Like right. Thor 3 is one of these deals that like when it, it came in in what, like 2009? Nine, yep. And when it when it hit, like we as guys, like, like Brian and I, were like, "Oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever! How do we get like personal training?" And there's a physical therapist, and like, "Oh, you guys are doing what is dry needling, right? Like, <laughs> sure. this is crazy." But we were all about it because we we're like early adopters. But you could tell a lot of the older guys were like, "Fuck that! I like to work out this way, <laughs> and like, I don't need help." Well, that's well, that's we, the reason why everyone came into special operations themselves because they wanted to be able to do things on their own, and right. then they have a program. I don't want to show up and have this dude tell me what to do. Right. But well, like, and and the biggest misconception I saw when I was a fifth group is like, the quality of a workout and the quality of your training is directly correlated to how how deeply and how aggressively you dragged your skull through the fucking dirt. You know, like if it hurt and it was unpleasant, that was a good workout. We still get that here at Softly, right. man. Like guys complain, like we programmed five days a week when we first started. Cause that's like, Hey, we, you have an active recovery day and you have a rest day and motherfuckers complain like, Oh, what am I paying for programming for? If I don't get six workouts a week. And you're like, Okay, man. Here's your six days a week, right? right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, they 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 basically created the Thor three guys created the Pepsi challenge. In so far as like there was one ODA in particular that was in my battalion that the team sergeant was a very very in shape guy had done some high level stuff and come back down and he just ran his dudes into the freaking ground. Ten and, mile run three well, days a week. Three of his guys um, had come started working out at the Thor three gym and working out with the physical and. and taking time with the physical therapist and started to feel really good. And they're like, Hey man, Hey team sergeant, can we just go do this for a month? And they went over there and the team sergeant's like, I don't believe what you guys are doing is has any efficacy whatsoever. I think what I'm doing is I think I'm smarter than you basically. And he was telling this to a man, John Carlock, who had like, 21 gold medal winning athletes like he was like that ain't shit brian he still doesn't have a green beret exactly (laughs) (laughs) that that genuinely was the mentality right well so they divided the oda into in half and he the thor three guys took the lowest six performers from the oda and steph the team sergeant took the highest six well they did like two months and they worked out and they're like, hey man, we're going to do a PT test, but not like the UBRR. We're going to do yep. the upper body round robin, see where everybody's at. And then two months later, let's see where everybody's at. And the lower six were, at, after the end of two months, were not just the top six now, but like way the top six. It was totally, the other guys were broken down because Steph ramped it up. You know, he's yeah, like, man, he we're going like, to do nothing but Metcons and full kit, you know, and it was just bad. And, sure. and I think, and that really... That for the rest of the battalion, people saw that and they were like, wait a minute, these guys were working out less. They were doing more fun stuff in the gym. They were looking refreshed the rest of the day. They were healthier and they were stronger. Like, oh, okay, you can have your cake and eat it too but if like, you're, you're doing a, it right. Yeah. You're a victim of your own success, right? Like as you as you get results, more people want to show up and you like, you only have so many hours in the day. Like how, how many PTs are on staff with you? So there, it's each facility will have 
typically minimum of three. Uh, depending on where you go, that might change. You're a third group, right? Correct. Right. Okay, yeah. So yeah. you ha- do you have two other counterparts there? So two two PTs and one OSE. So he's a, he's a PT, so three total. But I get SWIC. There's only one, right? No, no. So larger facility, uh, they they have more than us. Okay, so rewind. It's been a minute since I've been there. Sure. Did they move out of the basement of Aaron? Still there? Yeah. They're still. Last I checked, we never. I never. But I mean, like I know that, like so. In he doesn't deal with the peasants. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I think Swix. I think Swix a great example though, too, because like it's an on ramp for dudes that have never done this stuff before. Like guys are in the Q course. The problem is now at SWIC, they've ramped civil affairs, psyops, and SF all into the, that mm-hmm. Thor 3 facility. And I know in like 2014, when I was teaching at the schoolhouse, it was like, hey, uh, you know, good luck. Like, right. I mean, they were cutting back on funding then. They were like yep. cutting back on, like, it was a question like, are we going to keep the dietitian? You know, like, is she really useful? And you're like, uh, uh yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like definitely is, useful. Yeah, yeah. But it was down to one physical therapist at yep. that point. Did we get more funding? Yeah. So, and, and this was, this occurred as soon as I came on, there was, um, head butting between Congress and some, some people got offended by the way the program had expanded without certain, ah. certain individuals knowing. So they cut, they slashed. And I, I luckily survived because one of the PTs that was there had taken a job. And uh, I, I technically was the backfill. So I would have been out three years yeah. ago. Who knows where I would be? Well, I always think it's funny mm-hmm. is that at least during my during my tenure, that's, you know, for, for those of you guys who are listening, that is actually how Teddy and I met was I, I was one of those many injured people that <laughs> received physical therapy for a nagging ankle injury. But but I was always astounded by the fact that it seemed like of all the services that Thor 3 had to offer. So when you're looking at how to budget, you know, what was being utilized the most, it seemed like everyone used the Thor program for the recovery aspect. I mean, the the three the three R's. Um, and I don't know, like, it was that... It, would you agree or disagree? It just, that, was, that was the... I was going to Thor to recover because I was, you know, I did something in the gym that broke me or I, because most people, and I think... Fix me so I can go back to doing the wrong thing. Well, yeah, and and it was like, and I I think like, and I, and I, I feel like I read this, I can't really remember where, but I I remember talking to some people in group back in the day and it was like, it seemed like more injuries were as a result of training as opposed to the actual performance of your duty. Oh, by far. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We had nearly a 40% injury in running alone. I mean, yeah. running alone. And once really? once they come in, we like the first two minutes, we know exactly what happened. And that's is I that think all that's, overuse stuff. Or? Oh, I, all running is overuse. It's it's form, but form breakdown is is the overuse. You know, like if somebody comes in with an Achilles issue and it's running, it's not the Achilles, it's the hip, and it's the same issue we'll see with you know an elbow issue with a clean. It's not the elbow, it's it's the hip. It's a slow hip. So you know, we see a lot of these injuries where. Traditionally, even when I came out of school, nobody really talked about um, ideally getting out of the clinic. You had to sit in the clinic and let the doc send you patients, and that's how you made your money. It's referrals, referrals. And I started working at a CrossFit. Uh, the, the the owner at the time took me took me in and, and just was all about the idea of having a PT on staff. And I was new to CrossFit at the time, so I thought I thought CrossFit was new and it was interesting. So I was following these athletes. They're all motivated. They're all they're all driven, and I'm going over some of the most simple aspects of how the body moves. And then I started to realize just kind of like Kelly does and how you see a lot of PTs now, we're, we're not in the clinic as much. We're trying to go on the front lines. And if it's right. a musculoskeletal injury, we can clean that up. We can avoid it. In the happening. gym, right? Or like, like in the yeah. gym at, at, at well, I mean, anywhere, if, if somebody's out on the range all day and are you kid. seeing that it's financially possible for you to, or for guys to maintain practices like Danny and mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he's doing it. Yeah. yeah Danny is it, yeah. obviously, but I, do we Who's know? Danny? Danny Mata. Um, yeah, Mata. Yeah, he's yeah. Yeah, just like the tactical mobility. He's he's with Kelly and Mobility Wad and uh, what my my former or my OSC was Kelly. Kelly Starrett. Sorry, so Kelly, Kelly Starrett. Yeah. So yeah. so he's a supple leopard. Supple leopard. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the gold standard in uh, Hollywood physical therapists. Like, I mean, he's a face now, right? He's absolutely. Not I mean, like he a, sold stretching. You know, like we're we're trying to get <laughs> patients to do some some form of of a home program and it's sure. like look man i just want you to stretch your pec minor and uh they're like yeah whatever it's not it's not flashy and then kelly comes along and just kills it you know yeah well, it's fun. funny like i feel like he's engendered some ill will as well 
yeah, in, yeah. in the performance community. Like I, I met him, and he's like, it's definitely the Kelly Starette show, man. Like, right. and sure. he's cool. Success like, I, breeds haters too. Mostly, you know? just, yeah. no true. doubt. Like I, Kelly's a very likable dude in person, right? But yeah. he's very, he's like, he's very strong personality. And yeah. Danny, it, how do you pronounce his last name? Matei. <laughs> Matei. I thought it was Mata, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's like, uh, he's more like you like he's a like he's a hands-on clinical kind of guy that wants to like fix things and he doesn't get distracted easily from his job like he's like hey uh you guys had me here to like yeah. <laughs> look at you like we can talk about this stuff all day long but i'm here to fix you, you well in the, right. in the realm of physical therapy and and for everyone who's listening I, I at least and i'm by no means a physical therapist but i know i'm talking to you it seems like you know, pre Kelly Starrett, there is a difference in physical therapy between the people who are trying to get the old people to walk again and the people who are yeah. trying to, you know, put 300 pounds over their head in a snatch. Like, so when, when you started looking and then even more so the tactical application of physical therapy, like required a different understanding of human movement, it seemed like, because you had, you know, physical therapists who are trying to understand some more like complex movements and then apply that to the sports realm. Um, and yeah, I mean, and yeah, in all fairness, I mean, Kelly, Kelly did do that. I mean, he took women back when it was CrossFit mobility, you know, he brought that to the rest of the world. And I think it did, if anything, it like got people to realize, I think on a grand scale that like, Hey, you know, you can't train like an asshole. Like, well, you so have to. I guess to rewind, I can, we haven't really even talked what Thor three is right. So like, what does Thor three stand yeah. for? So yeah, it's, it's, it's tactical human optimization, um, rapid, Recovery. Recovery. Rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. Rehabilitation. I love it that everyone, like, even you work there, it's and I'm like, I'm like, no one remembers what the well, R's are for. It's one of those yeah. ridiculous backronyms. Well, yeah. but that's it's, the thing. It's like everyone uses it for that one R. It seems like just for the recovery well, aspect. It, like, fifth group, or rapid. I, think it's, I think it's very different group to group. I mean, I was in fifth group at there for when, from, from when it stood up in 2010 is when they stood up at fifth group. And I was in the middle of the language course, the Command Language Institute, where they were like, hey, man, we're going to set up these like group-level like six-month language programs to get everybody even more boned up on language. So I had a lot of time because I wasn't on a team. My, my place of duty was in the classroom every day for six mm -hmm. months, and that was right when the Thor 3 kicked off. So me and my buddies that were in class were like, we're going to go right now and start using this facility. So we had a lot of time to talk with the the trainers there and the physical therapists and they're like, Hey man, like we have identified and it seems shocking that no one else has that like one of the core pillars of being a tactical athlete is athleticism. You know, we talk about shooting, moving and communicating. We teach people how to shoot. We teach people how to communicate, but we don't teach people how to move. So it's, it seems, fair point. it seems crazy that there's this, this tripod of skills that are necessary to be a high level soldier. And yet in the Q course and all over special operations and the military in general, working out is literally left to E fours, E fives and E sixes that have no training whatsoever right. in kinesiology or sports fitness bend fitness. and stretch. Yeah. Bend and stretch. And it's like, Hey, we're and the army comes out with these things that are obviously cheap to do. You can do them. And, you know, running is free, right? Rucking is free. Push-ups are free. Sit-ups are free. Lunge walking is free. It requires no equipment to do. So that, and that's why the, the PT test is the way it is. You, you don't need any equipment other than another dude's hands to hold your ankles during the sit-ups. So Thor 3 was like, hey, man, we are special operations. Like, how is this a thing in special operations? You go through a two-year Q course. Like, how is part of that not, like, at least learning basic fitness programming, at least learning basic strength Well, movements. this kind of brings us full circle, like, what you're saying to say that, like, I'm not even sure that we are utilizing Thor 3 and, like, Teddy's skill sets to their maximum ability within oh, soft, right? Well, that's what I was saying. At fifth group, they really tried to make it a train-the-trainer thing, so it was like you could you could work out at Thor three all day long, mm -hmm. but they had a limited amount of time, obviously, and the gym is only so large. There's only so many coaches. So what they were really pushing was to have ODAs come in for two months and they would work out in the, in the gym. But during that part of it was training like, hey, guys, to, today we're doing these movements for this reason. We're doing you know, we're, we're trying to work on this. We're trying to develop this. And you guys are going to Afghanistan. You're going to be in the mountains. So we're going to do this because that's going to strengthen you for this. And trying to get guys in that mindset of like training for a specific activity, training for general fitness and learning like, 
hey, man, like if you're in that low off-season phase where you're red cycle and all you're doing is like cleaning guns and doing inventory, what you don't need to be doing is injuring yourself, you know, and making yourself combat ineffective in the times you have off. And that was, but that was always at least, you know, even when you referenced your, your running issue earlier in that, I think we've, there's, there's a couple of mantras that I think have really, you know, kind of been obviously disproven through looking at things like the injury rate, but one, like the idea that you can always be on 100% of the time. And you can't, you, you can't be you on hundred percent of the time. And, and I mean, you can be on, you just, can't you can't be on, you can't be on volume. full blast, full volume <laughs> at hundred percent of the time. And I think at least what I saw was, you know, I, I mean, you, you could sell people on the idea of, you know, training for a particular event. It was getting people to buy off on the event they were training for because everyone had like, I think I said earlier was that, you know, people joined SF because they they didn't want someone to tell, like they were so tired of like the army sergeant who was like, oh, today we're going to run or today we're going to do this or today we're going to do that. And they all had their own fitness pursuits that they were pursuing on the side, be it CrossFit, ultra running, <coughs> et cetera, et cetera. And, and they were like the subject matter experts for that. And, and I think they, when they tried to couple, you know, oh, I'm going to go to the gym three times a day who goes to the gym three times a day like to work out? I mean, Olympic athletes, Chris, well, we're no, Olympic that's athletes. The thing, it's like, we're not, but we're not. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, so, so does that was know, the mantra at fifth group Thor was work plus rest underlying right. equals performance. Right. right and right. everybody forgets about the rest. Everybody forgets about the recovery until they're injured. Exactly what you're right. saying. It's like, I'm going to work and work and work until there's a problem that I'm going to rehab that problem. And I'm going to keep back, hop back on the train. I was on, I'm sure you see that a lot where you are. Yeah. So here's, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of take over for a minute here. Yes. Multiple yeah. minutes. You guys are, Let's do it. You guys are considering a lot of consider good Consider myself so. chastised. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, our guest today. Yeah, yeah. Right. Welcome back. So, you know, it's, it's a state of mind, right? Ten years ago, PT was not outside of the walls unless you were at a very higher level. You're, you're working with professional athletes at a very specific level. Um, I think as, as physios, so physio is a PT. We refer, we refer ourselves as PTs or physios putting down the TheraBand and being able to say, hey, you know what, it is time for you to pick up a kettlebell, pick up a barbell, pick up a dumbbell, and let's, let's move with this. I think that's taken a little while to actually culminate, uh, cultivate, but now that we have, and now that we've seen what the strength coaches who are coming from, they're leaving their jobs with professional football teams, baseball teams, they're coming to Thor because they, they, they know what they're dealing with. They're dealing with top level athletes, they wanna help, and we see it right away. You see these patterns where I know what your job does to you. I've seen it. I know what wearing kit eight minimum hours a day does to you. I know what wearing combat boots does to your body. We're going to develop programs that are going to round you out and restore that balance because everybody's got pretty crappy ankles. Everybody's got garbage hip, hip movement. <clears throat> and the problem is when you follow something, uh, say you're, you're following like the drive-by type of, of fitness programs that'll pop up and they're showing you that you need to aggressively mobilize your hip for 10 minutes a day per side and nobody's checked that person's alignment because you could chase mobility all day, you could chase strength and stability, but if you don't put yourself in perfect alignment first and reset that, that normal posture that we always talk about, you're, you're going to potentially shred some structures that you can't afford to lose. So we see a high volume of labrum tears in the shoulder. We see a high volume of labrum tears in the hip. And when you get higher level, when you get to the, the soft community, your relationship with your strength coach and your PT should get closer. You should be on contact lists and, and friends on social media. You should be able to reach out and talk to them. And I think traditionally it was, no, I'm not going to go to a PT because that's, that's admitting that I'm, I'm effed up. I'm, yeah, I'm, you're I'm broken hurt. and you're taking and yourself out. People yeah. are going to see me on that table getting treatment and they're going to think that, you know, I'm, I'm shamming or I'm, I'm just a, a POS. So I'm really trying hard not to cuss here. I'm, uh, it's very, <laughs> you can say fuck, it's fuck, shit, shit ass. <laughs> I'm telling you, working in the, in, the, in, in the community, it's changed my verbiage. So, <laughs> yeah, um, But no, it is. It's, it's that relationship that you have to understand that the higher you go, every athlete who, who is on a TV screen uh, on ESPN or any, any sport, like professional sport team, they've got their staff is right there before and after the game, during the game. And there's a reason why they're playing so many games a week, or there's a reason why NFL only plays one game a week, because you can't put yourself in that arena every day and expect to get better. You're going to degrade. You're going to have these, these injuries. So when, when you look at, so when you look at the way programming works, 
the, the recovery is more of the focus. If you do it right, you're, you're putting yourself in a position to actually help assist that recovery. Um, going every day and doing like the same heavy bilateral stance type movements, you're going to run into a wall. You're going to, you're, you're going to get strong for a certain amount of time, but then you're going to hit that wall if you don't break out of that box. Cause everybody starts in that box. You deadlift, you squat, you push press, you bench press, but soft athletes are multi-directional athletes. You need to be able to move from point A to point B, any direction. You need to be able to rotate, change your body position without, without thinking. You just have to do it. Mm -hmm. It's got to be organic. And the problem we see with most athletes is they get stuck in that sagittal plane. So we move forward and back, but we don't move side to side and we don't rotate. And I mean, I could justify the majority, a good majority of the injuries we see in the clinic are from lack of, of that rotation, that transverse plane. So being able to control your body when you have to pivot on one leg without sacrificing your ACL, without sacrificing your hip labrum or an ankle. Is it a stability or like an anti- It's in everything. An anti-rotation? Yeah, I mean, so you, it's, it's lack of familiarity. If your body doesn't know how to control that position because it's never been there, then you can't expect it to control itself. The first time it goes there, plus... X, adding, X adding of kit, kit adding weapons, right. uneven terrain. I mean, you just name it, like low vis. I mean, it, there's so many variables that go into it. So I think uh, I had a conversation with with a patient who was saying he had a really bad interaction with, with a staff member who the staff member was reminding, you know, the athlete, you know, you're here, like you're here because of us. And that is not a, like I'm, I, I, nobody, is, nobody is coming into the clinic because I'm there. Like I'm there to support the operator. So keeping a very casual, open clinic and not, not having too much structure and rigidity to where it almost scares people off. Like I want people to come in and talk to me about just having a movement screen. Just let me, let me, let me watch you move a little bit. Let me put you in a single limb position and actually have you rotate your upper body, do a single leg squat, do a hip hinge, see what it looks like. So you, you said something earlier that I think is actually a really good point. Um, when you, when you talk about the idea, because you're right, a lot of people do chase mobility before alignment. Right. So, so assuming, assuming that say someone is on their own, you know, what's, how, how can someone check their own alignment if I didn't have a PT? Because arguably, I mean, the, the more remote we go, I mean, you, you can get close to the front lines as a physical therapist, but you can't go all the way to the front lines, you know, and, and for a lot of people at home, you know, if they, for one reason or another, I mean, don't have the luxury and to include the rest of the army, I mean, let's not forget Thor is a special operations program. Like, like the rest yeah, of the but, army does not have but Thor is a program. So, and I, this is something I really want to talk with, with Teddy today. Like Thor is a program we created because soft guys are fucking lazy and they need to be <laughs> spoon fed shit. And the fact is, if you're a dedicated individual athlete, whether you're in the regular army or in soft, like you can get these services provided to you. You just need to know. And none of us know. Like, I don't don't think it's even laziness. I just think it's the military overall military mentality. It's like, you know, the, the old saying, like, I don't have a wife. If my army wanted me to have one, they'd have issued me one, you know, and that's sort of the mentality. If the army thought I needed this thing, they would have given it to me. And before well, and Thor they, existed, they were like, well, we didn't need that. But the Running army, Rucky is hey, good enough. Soft is now providing us with this Thor 3 thing that is a box that is very clearly defined left and right limits. But you can't get a fucking surgeon in USASOC to fucking administer TRT to dudes who have testosterone levels through the floor. They, they won't do a fucking heavy metals test because they don't know how to deal with the fact that you have so much lead in your system. Well, just take some time out of a shoot house. That'll solve it. Like... We're not talking preventative medicine. Thor 3 is preventative medicine. It's the start to a process, right? So, like, we can talk guys through, hey, what do you need to do? Like, and if your body bothers you and you're paying $35 a month for soft lead all access, you're probably open to the idea of finding a physical therapist and right. getting a functional well, you, movement And screen. you should. Because you but, have some skin in the game. And yeah, that, yeah. yeah, and that's the point is I think so, you know, we talked about. So, so what's, I mean, do you have a... Yeah. So, I mean, in in all of your points, I don't think it's laziness. I think it's the demand. You look at the way, you know, you've kind of taken the Corvette, taken the flashy car out of the, out of the garage at this point. I mean, conventional warfare has changed. And I think the demand and just, you look at the load, how much weight is being carried and that, that stress on a daily basis, like that, that is what causes that testosterone, testosterone to drop. Um, lack of awareness of, of being able to kind of calm down. Like you guys know how to ramp up. You can, you can turn it on quick, but what about that parasympathetic? How do we teach you guys to recover and actually dial it back down so your body can recover, so you can reduce adrenal fatigue and sleep? Because it used to be, oh, your vitamin D is low here to take this vitamin D supplement. And now it's like, well, he's on vitamin D, but it's still low. Like what's, 
we got to take a deeper Why, look at this. Right? Why? Yeah. So you're a mid twenties, early thirties, very physically fit male. Why is your testosterone and, low? And you're spending 10 hours a day in the sun and your vitamin D still low. Right. Like I don't understand this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you could trace this back to sleep and there's a ton of stuff. There's so much good research now. And, uh, Dr. Parsley is a, is a huge advocate of this. You can watch him on Ted talks, just search his name. He pops up on podcasts, but he specifically his focuses doc, uh, Kirk Parsley, Kirk Parsley. Yeah. So he's a former seal and he, he kind of has a little familiarity and he took a pretty deep dive into like, why are we seeing these issues? And it comes back to sleep. It's recovery. It's one-on-one and putting the phone down and it's, it's like 37 minutes before you go to sleep is like the optimal amount of time to turn blue screens off, you know, like little things, keeping a dark room, temperatures in the room. And it sounds silly. It sounds kind of mundane. You're like, whatever, man, that can't help until you have a sleep study. And it's like, Oh bro, you were waking up a hundred times an hour last night. You know, like, <laughs> I was going to say, you stopped that, breathing. So, so, many like, guys, so many I'm guys good. have, <laughs> So yeah. many guys have CPAP machines and special operations, man. It's yeah, like and it is. And all it's, over the place. Well, dude, I thought yeah. I had sleep apnea until I lost weight. Like until until I wasn't chasing the criff body, you know, like the the body by a salter. Like right. I need to be, I'm five nine. Just a refrigerator. Two hundred twenty pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can just you, pick things up and put it down. You lose some yeah. weight and you start doing more cardio and and you fix your sleep hygiene. Yeah. And I address like super low test levels and then like. I mean, I only get kicked once a month by the wife for snoring now, and I don't just like stop breathing for five right. minutes at a time. Well, talk about talk about military mindset being a, the antithesis of correct is like sleep is a crutch. You know, the more you sleep, the guy yeah. that takes a nap in the day, that's the asshole. He should have been in the talk like, you know, manning the radios even though nothing's happening and there's enough guys in there. You know, it's, it's like if you're not up and about moving it, the guys that everybody looks up to is the dude that runs on three hours a night. No one runs on three hours a night. That's like saying you run on 20, well, 400 you're, calories you're of drunk. food. You're essentially yeah. intoxicated. Well, you wonder why dudes That's how your assholes, brain functions. Right? Like, this right. motherfucker is like, he's yelling at everybody. It's because he's living on one to two hours a night of sleep. And four monsters. And he's, oh, by the way, the last one, he took at 8 p.m. So yep. yeah. how, how is that possible? Well, it's, right. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day talking about sleep hygiene and, and, and all the stuff, the research that you're describing that's coming out about sleep. And essentially, every waking hour is is causing brain damage. Right, your your brain cannot repair itself during the day during waking hours. So your brain has to take that sleep to repair itself. And if you're never giving yourself those times, you're just continually degrading. You're degrading, and it's you can never get it back. This it's is not, why Brian's smarter than all of you us. You cannot. Yeah, because I sleep constantly. <laughs> yep, those twelve hours, twelve hour nights can't get any work out of me. But he also, do I sleep? He also has three well, kids. It's because we're dealing with a different model now. We're we're looking at so much rapid change in the world, and how do we keep up? Because I could follow research all day, but it's, it's, it's typically behind. It's not current day. Like to, to have something published takes time. So what we need to do is we have to take our clinic or like that, that facility is sort of the re, the research lab. And as long as I'm not causing harm, because that's like rule number one is a physio, like do no harm. So if I can treat somebody and actually improve a condition, I'll make a mental note. Or if, if somebody's coming in and they're a little glitchy and they're telling me the same thing they told me last time, like maybe I need to order, uh, a TBI screen and an evaluation. And that's what you're seeing now is you're seeing facilities that are looking at not just a musculoskeletal injury. It's, it's, there's a little bit of head trauma too. Cause who, who didn't have a breach where you were a little fuzzy afterwards or sure. firing a, yep. a weapon. I mean, there's, there are specific weapons that they tell you don't fire this weapon X amount of times in a day. Mm, the Carl Gustav. There you go. And guys <laughs> come back and they're like, well, I was like peeing blood the next day because yeah, we got right. into a super rad table. or yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, you're, or you're training and you did like 30 interior breaches that day. Right. You know? Yeah. And it, like nobody's going to wave well, that flag. I like, Hey, you guys need to stop. When I said that soft guys are lazy, I don't mean they're like lazy in the sense that they don't do things. I think that the issue is that most guys feel like when they get to a certain level, there are things that are handed to them. For, like Brian said, like, hey, if the army wanted me to have this, it would be done for me, right? Sure. So like by, by the time you become a special forces guy, like, hey, there's Thor 3. Everything is done for me. But it's the same. Like, Thor 3 to me highlights the fact that it's like a, you know, like it's a buffet line. It's not a, it's not a full service restaurant. It's like you eat as much as you want to eat. You can get as much or as little as you think you need. Right. It's not mandated that you have to. But it should it. highlight to guys like that, like, Appointments with you, like getting physio help, doesn't fix the problem. You right. have to like deep dive into your own care. Absolutely. Self care, like it's when well, it's know, a cultural change. It's a cultural change that has yeah. to happen. You know, and 
Um, we are all responsible for our own preventative medicine. Like our own right. health is um, is my responsibility. It's you know, and you, we've all seen it, right? Mandating things in special operations to soldiers is the exact opposite way to get results. Because they're what? What about big boy rules? Like, how are you teaching, telling us to do that? You get pushback on everything. Learn your language better. Fuck you. Get in better shape. <laughs> Fuck you. Sleep better. Fuck you. So, but if the culture changes to where, like, hey, being preventative about this. Like we need to on the ODA level do these right things is I think the right answer. Well, and, and I mean, the the and guys like guys like him are are pushing it that direction. Well, it's patient education. If somebody comes in and I give them passive treatment, if I dry needle them and just say, "All right, wipe my hands, you're good, see ya." If I don't teach that person, like, look, you're gonna feel pretty good. This is just gonna create a window of temporary relief. What we need to actually fix is, you know, the, your crappy ankle movement. We need to open that up and clean that up. And that's the homework I'm gonna kind of have you do. But what I'm not going to have you do is spend two hours a day sitting on a lacrosse ball until you're crying um, or just <laughs> save it all until Sunday. We're going to blend it in. So you're kind of mixing the spinach and the brownies and you're going to blend it in with your normal routine. So that way it's going to actually help you be a little bit more efficient. And I think patient education is the biggest thing that I've learned where, I mean, I could, I could have a hundred letters behind my name, different certs, credentials. It doesn't matter if the patient isn't getting the sense that I actually care. And that's what I've, I've, I've noticed. Like I've always been pretty outgoing. I've always liked communicating, just talking to patients and just kind of BSing. And I've noticed the patients that uh, come in and they're, they're, they're stubborn, like one word answers. Those are the ones that I'm, I'm now it's like a goal. It's like, I want to actually show them that this facility is here for them and we care. Teddy and Pollyanna. <laughs> yeah, but the, some of the some of the PTs we had at fifth group would lurk during like the heavy gym hours in the Legion gym. Yeah, and they would just like they knew their patients, they knew what, and and they knew not patients, right? right. Like there, there's a guy over here that's doing 450 pound squats, totally fucked up. That guy's gonna be my next patient. Yeah. He's so strong. So they would go over and just be like, "Hey, man," and they would bring one of the coaches, and that was the thing too. The coaches, yeah, I thought one of the smartest things Thor three did was they hired a lot of really high end people. So it's really hard to say like, oh, gold medal training or old guy that used to be like the head of strength conditioning for the Braves or whatever. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're talking about. They do know what they're talking about. So they would come over and be like, just very gently, like, hey, man, do you mind if I give you like five minutes of coaching to like improve this? And then keep on going back and be like, hey, you know, I saw you coming out of that a little bit like next, you know, in weeks and months. And it would start to develop, you know, the, these guys would start developing the correct habits, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like a mandated. They were the, the trainers. What I'm saying, the trainers and the coaches would be very proactive to yeah. try to go out and find future patients right, yeah. and keep them from being future patients, which was good. Yeah, because that person's not in pain. And just because they're not in pain doesn't doesn't mean that what they're doing is OK. If they're if they're completely sacrificing uh, a stable position in their spine or if they're, if they're collapsing their shoulder with an overhead position, a, a coach is going to say something. And especially if they're saying, Hey, it actually kind of hurts when I do that. They're going to, they're going to advocate mm -hmm. us and well, raw, in. raw horsepower in the gym is both a band aid and a tool, right? Like, you know, you, a lot of guys just cover up, they get so strong. It, you can hurt yourself a lot easier if you're very, very strong, picking up very, very heavy weights, but also, you know, just being very strong tends to cover up a lot of those like for a short period. And that's a lot of the top level athletes are really good compensators to a point. And if you sacrifice joint position to, to try to obtain uh, a little bit more weight, a little bit, a little bit extra, a couple extra plates on the bar, you ultimately are going to sacrifice both. So um, you, you, it all comes down to joint integrity and that's, that's what you cannot sacrifice. And when you see things like Olympic lifting so prevalent now, it's great. It, it, it's a, it's a great nervous system stimulator. You, you, you prime your system. It helps you improve strength. I mean, that's what it's all about. Like you can't debate. It highlights movement deficiency. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Just it's, ask me. Yeah. I'm like the sport. world's worst Olympic lifter. Well, well, it's a sport. It's a skill. It's a sport. And to, to say that I'm just going to give you you know, three hours a week to work on that, it's that's unfair to the athlete because the yeah. public lifters are doing that every day, day in and day out. Well, and also uh, it, there's nothing, ego is a huge part of special operations. Just being an operator requires you to have a large ego. It's kind of like everyone talks about how, like you've got to be a little bit of a scumbag to be a politician because who wants that job, you know? It's kind of, you have to have a big <laughs> ego about yourself because, you know, who wants to put themselves in the line? Well, most of the, most of the, coaches and physical therapists, if you're having movement issues, the first step is to pull weight off and to relearn the movement at right. a manageable weight and then start, or even go down to the PVC pipe 
And Ooh. it's really hard for a lot of, <laughs> even it's really hard for a lot of guys with a huge ego about their weight. Like a lot of their self image is tied up in being in the, the, the criff body you're talking about. Guys go in the gym and they know that when they throw 650 pounds in the deadlift, like people are going to be like oohing and eyeing. And, Dude, a, and the fact he, of the matter is, there is a direct correlation to respect in soft. Like yeah, you culturally, be a, you for be sure, a man. Total piece of shit. <laughs> As a as a operator, like as a fucking SF guy, you can be a one dimensional douche, but if you squat four hundred and fifty pounds and you look fit, you avoid almost all scrutiny from Chain of Command. Like yep. Chain of Command's gonna be like, that guy's squared away, and you're like, yeah. man, that dude fucks six wives, and yeah, yeah, like yeah. like he's a total. He hasn't done a goddamn deployment in four fucking years. He just talks a big game, and and everyone's like, hey man, stay strong, bro. But tell him, <laughs> did you see his front squat? But tell him. <laughs> Telling guys like that to pull half the weight off well, and, and, that's, and rebuild up yeah. is like... But even that, mean? I'm going to take it a step further because that's how I would say I would have done it, but I'll, I'll put them in the position where they're successful. So I'm not going to take weight off the bar, but if they're pulling from the ground, let's bring the ground up a little bit, pull right. from some blocks, and then, oh yeah, look, your, your form's clean. You didn't really feel anything. Let's start there. Or the same with squatting. Squatting depth, you could... You could utilize your full range of motion in a single limb position because the majority of, of programming that's done uh, without guidance from like a physio or a, yeah, like a well-trained strength coach, you're going to miss that single limb position. And it's because we all are typically pretty bad at it when we first start, but it, it saves your spine. Again, it, yeah. it puts you in a little more efficient position where you can actually get into deeper hip hinging without stiffening up and, and just loading, like crushing everything from the bar down. So... Yeah, I mean, I bring the bar up or I'd have them squat to a depth where they can control it. And it's okay if it's not below parallel because everybody's hip structure is going to be different. We're all going to have different capabilities and, and different movements. But if you're a runner, especially like if somebody's trying to improve their running capacity, I don't, I can't really say that I want them going that deep. I want them to stay in that quarter depth range. Right. Because that they're explosive not firing. That so, translates into their sport. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're thinking like, well, okay, that's a little more specific to their sport, but if I do want to have them mobilize their hip, I can still have them kind of mobilize their hip and then get a little deeper on maybe like a single limb split squat type movement. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there are points when like, yeah, okay, it still hurts your back and I elevated it. Now let's take the bar off or, Hey, that's just too much shear on your spine right now. Let's remove that. Let, let the body kind of scar down and then we'll re like, we'll reintroduce it. Um, cause you can't like, you just, you, you, you can't always go in and every day work on strength. Like you've got to ebb and flow and you've got to give yourself, but my boys, phases. He squats every day, Teddy. How old is he? Uh, no, I'm I'm just. He's, he's, he's just this is my this is the royal we, Teddy. All right, this, the is, my, this is my fake friend. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying he squats every day. How dare you tell me that as a runner I shouldn't yeah. be squatting? So, but that's a, but that brings up a good point, and even kind of bringing it back towards the kind of like the training. I still need to answer your question about the, I, I didn't forget it. Though. Oh yeah, no, no worries. Well, I'll actually, I'll bring the conversation hey, back the to it. Joy, this is, we all have ADD and we <laughs> all remember <laughs> that we forgot to address something. Um, so from, from a training aspect, cause I think, you know, the point was brought up earlier and it's absolutely correct that I think a lot of people are under the illusion that just because I completed the lift, you know, I went down and I went up, then I'm good, you know, or so, yeah. So, so what are, I mean, because, and, and that's arguably, you know, you only have so much good movement, you know, and, and you, you know, exponentially wear down that good movement or movement in general, when you add an external load, and is it's this saying like you only have a finite number of semen? Like, like and you're going to run <laughs> well, out, I mean, so stop you're, masturbating? You're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things are just going to break on you. Um, but what are like what are some you know obviously like this the idea of pain or being in pain is you know something that I, I think everyone's familiar with. But understanding the difference between pain and discomfort when it comes to my lifting, at what point in time do you think you know you need to go seek help? You know, because yeah. if you just if you just get a bunch of positive reinforcement because you completed the lifts, you're just waiting on something to break. Right. So I, I'd want to know is is I hope it, Jamie's listening to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> She's in North Carolina now. Actually, is it is that is the movement suboptimal? Could it just use a little coaching, or is it actually pathological? And that's typically what we deal with is like an injured state. So if I'm watching somebody move and they're getting they're having pain in the ankle when they squat, or they're having pain in the front of the hip when they squat or uh, deadlift, typically you're going to have somebody who reports back pain with a deadlift. So that should never happen. You should never feel those types of, of issues when you're squatting or deadlifting. But 
I'd want to I'd want to take a look at it and see if it's just maybe the 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 calf is a little stiff. We can give you some self correctives. You think you know you can get on the ball. You can do your flossing, or if, is it actually maybe some uh, ankle impingement from like chronic ankle sprains, a lifetime of gymnastics, or just rolling the crap out of your ankle? So now we're dealing with a, a pathology, and and that's something where I'd want to treat it and see if we can get it to a point where now you can uh, get back into what you want to do or what you, mm-hmm. what you need to do, but there is a point where pain, like pain and numbness and tingling and things that, that start to feel like sketchy is kind of the common term. We, we always talk about if it starts to feel sketchy, if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel right, um, you shouldn't have to ask yourself that question. Like you should already kind of know like, eh. or if you just notice you're not progressing workout to workout, you know, you should be getting more out of your workouts than, than you're actually putting in. Like your workout should be giving you back a lot more. And I think when we sacrifice, again, joint position, you, 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 you're going to lose. It's just a matter of how long can this you highlights the advantage, that? like the, the whole functional movement screen thing that we like it. it I was when I went to Thor three is the first time I had ever seen an FMS. Right. And, and, and that's yeah. there. And I we've moved on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I recognize that that's like, but I mean, you can't administer those kind of tests to yourself. Well, it's easy to know what you're testing. If you take that test once, you have a pretty good sense of, all right, I know what they're going to test. But again, you look at sagittal, right? So that straight line and that's what the FMS is. It's very, very, you know, unilateral, so or like one direction, but you do you do get into position. You do you do the hurdle, the step over, but still showing asymmetry. What is this you guys are describing? It's it's a, it's a it's a test that was developed for you. you so do you remember when you stand prevention. against the wall and there's like a grid on the wall and you do a squat and they see like what your angles of your knees yeah, and yeah, shins yeah, 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 yeah. is? I mean, there's also like stupid human tricks where there's the the hurdle where like you reach across and they see, or when you reach behind your back and you touch your fingers with one, one direction and then you do the other hand Yes, and then they're like, Oh wow, you can touch that's one way, test, but not the other. <laughs> well, but, but that's, but I think that brings up a good point. Cause I mean, I was like, I, and I, the only reason why I remember this was, it was, it was actually a conversation with, with Kelly straight and he was talking about functional movement screens. He's like, well, cool. Like touch your head, touch your butt. Congratulations. You have, you know, full range of motion in your shoulder or whatever. I'm like, that doesn't tell me anything about my ability to snatch. Now, if I can't no. do that, I'm guaranteed not going to be able to put a barbell over my head. But, but the concept of mobility being more than just joint range of motion or flexibility also tying into things like motor control and things like that. Cause I think, you know, you have, you know, a lot of guys who, I mean, because everyone, everyone has an imbalance. And I think you're the one that taught me that, um, you know, everyone's body is going to work a little bit differently when it comes to, you know, their ability to turn muscle groups on and off. You know, one glute fires, one glute doesn't. Isn't like, that just learned though too? Like, I mean, well, we, it's a position of, of you, you acquire it. I mean, if you're a right-handed shooter, yeah. Like, and what I mean, position are you going to be I in? I sit in the car with a wallet in my back right pocket and I drive four hours a day. Yeah. Why do you, why, why do you do that to yourself? I'm just saying <laughs> that I did it for years, right? Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. no idea yeah. that like I was actually hurting myself. Right. By sitting in an asymmetrical position, I still now, like, I still squat deeper in one glute than the other, and it's a hip thing, and, you know, I, like, I just know that this is a thing. Well, I've seen, you know, we, we, it seems that overall, like, this sort of thing, mobility and um, injury prevention are becoming more in vogue. You know, people are thinking about it more, and I think more people will start to think about it once they realize, especially people that are more higher end with a little bit more ego, guys like special operators, you know, the, the healthiest way to do a movement is the most powerful way, generally. You know, it seems like that that's the most efficient. Right, because you get the most the out of your body. Like, right? <laughs> so, like, if you are a numbers chaser, if you are the guy that's chasing these huge lifts, like, it's in your best interest to lift with the best form, you know? And, right. That's a uh, skill, though. That's exactly. acquired. And that's what I think we don't, but people as work culturally. On, but people work and put an enormous amount of effort into the st- working out well you know what our right? least sure. you know but, like our least popular blog post like our least popular long form content blog post ever published was the one that dave delanave wrote about how coaches that hire coaches aren't shitty coaches they're better coaches because everyone needs critiquing and coaching yeah and like i think that it's worth noting that like a physical therapist is a coach a coach yeah, yeah absolutely you're, that's true you're yeah. training a skill it's not you're not just a recovery or rehab specialist you're like hey this is how the body works like we know yeah how we body. know movement yeah like i can watch somebody run and know it's like oh okay i know exactly what you need i can help you there but when you have the multidisciplinary approach where now you have strength coaches and pts and you know dietitians everybody coming together like we're all putting this this just but it's boring man. well it's and it's hard to admit 
that you are the problem at times. An example, a guy that used to be on one of my ODAs, Sean, he was one of the strongest guys on the team. He's getting, he was, when I met him, he was probably in his mid thirties and he started having these knee and hip problems and he couldn't squat. He was ultra strong, but he couldn't squat anything. I mean, comparatively to the rest you know if you look at the the distribution of strength that you should have you know in the he squats lifts. and deadlifts the same amount of weight <laughs> oh he's he, he squat yeah like well he 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 deadlifted way more but he, he benched more than he squat like oh. you know what i mean like ultra <laughs> classic, yeah. Mistake, bro. Yeah. classic mistake yeah 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 so and it wasn't for lack of trying. He would did squats, but he just he would you know I have these really bad knees and all this sort of stuff, so it's really difficult. And he was under the you know the fuller range of motion was better for his knees than an abbreviated range of motion. But he was doing an abbreviated abbreviated range of motion because he thought that was what he should be doing. Well, the the Thor three guys were like, hey man, we're going to deload you, we're going to retrain you, and he had a huge amount of pushback. He's like, dude, I've been doing this forever. I'm not the problem. The problem is this is the way my body's built and I'm just getting older. So my joints are wearing out. Finally, he, he drank the Kool-Aid and like a year later, he was squatting the appropriate amount that he should be squatting based on his, you know, on the, on the levels and which was a huge amount, <laughs> you know, like, you know, repping out 400 and he was healthy. He didn't, he didn't have any more knee problems. He didn't have any more hip problems. He's like, yeah, man, turns out I wasn't getting old. I was just had, totally unskilled in these movements, thought I was skilled. I mistook my strength in other areas and my physique. But who, who likes to do things they're not good at, right? Well, like, no guys one. hate it. Well, but that's the, no one. they're in less. You know, when you have yeah. a good, when but you it go makes in, you better. It when you, you better go into a gym and you have this like super crazy looking physique, people come to you naturally for advice. You know, if, you, if you're going, whether you're at the 24-hour fitness or you're at the, the gym on Bragg, the, the private's going to come over to you and be like, hey, man, how did you get to be the steroids? Way? And then, so it becomes like this. <laughs> it becomes like this virus of bad information that's. Uh, bro, I out. do a thousand curls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, but that but that brings to the point because a lot of mobility training is not sexy. I mean, no, well, no. It's, it's it is the opposite. No. It is the opposite. opposite. Yeah. and skill work like what you're talking about, Teddy. Like, hey, depth jumps. Nobody is good at that shit when they start doing it. Like, right. you, and you feel like an idiot. Go to the gym and do depth jumps and like. People are going to look at you like you are a fucking retard. Or single leg glute bridges with like a five second hold. Dude, I mean, <laughs> but I hate Phoenix. The Phoenix cycle that we have at Softweed is is a rehabilitative stamina cycle. Like it's very, uh, it's very unilateral. It's like all one sided movements, like suitcase deadlifts and a bunch of other like weird, you know, random shit. And I'm not good at any of those movements. And every day while I was deployed going in and doing workouts on, on Phoenix, I'm like, man, fuck this, fuck this. And then when the cycle's over and I migrate into a different cycle, I'm like, well, despite the fact that I didn't lift heavily for 12 weeks, really, and I felt like I was getting weaker and I was super demoralized because I was doing all this weird shit I'd never done before that felt like, hey, here's three sets of this movement. Do them. By the time you get to the third set, you finally feel like you're not like about to fall on your face. And then I switched to a regular cycle and all my numbers have gone up and I'm like, wait, what happened there? What is this wizardry? Yeah. yeah, Like what happened? Like I spent 12 weeks hating my life and hating what I was doing and feeling like an idiot. And everyone looked at me like I was a fool in the gym. And then I came back and did my core lifts and was like, how am I hitting PRs in a week? Smarter, not harder. And that's it. I think that you just nailed it. It's everybody is worried about what they look like. What is the person across the gym think of me? Because a farmer's carry is one of the, best movements you could absolutely do. So is it weird because it's weird or is it weird because it's, you know, relatively new on a mainstream market because now we know that it's, it's a, it's a progression for activating a QL. So if somebody's doing a side plank, well, you can't just say, stay on your side all day. Like you have to actually get up and move and be able to control your body. So, you know, you, you, you rack it and you carry a kettlebell down across the gym and back and keep your shoulders level. And I think that's the issue. We, when you go back to alignment, it, Mobility is, it's critical. Stability, it's critical. But somebody that just jumps on an airdyne or just jumps on a bike and is just flailing, I mean, there's no skill to that. Like, they're not, they're not teaching any good habit. They're teaching well, the modern, pretty inefficient. The movement. modern, you know, putting special operations and CrossFit type stuff aside, the modern gym that people go to is absolutely not geared for any of that. No. It's geared for set you in a Nautilus machine or set right. you in this thing. 
and we're gonna feed the movement to you. It's liability. It's just the well, gym, and just the op and just people don't want. It lowers the barrier of entry to the floor, right? Like you know, we're we're trying to get people in the gym. We're trying to get people work out. We're trying to, you know, we're not trying to have play, people play concertos on the piano first day. We're trying to have them play chopsticks. The problem is, is you never teach them another song other than chopsticks. And you we know? give you pizza while you, yeah. while you do that. So, so it, people, uh, you know, a lot of people out in the, in the, and that's one of the things with softly is really trying to correct, you know, is providing fitness programming. But that's one of the major complaints is like, Hey man, I go to 24 hour fitness or I go here, I go there and they don't have any of this stuff that you're asking for or nor do they have the room or if I, they do have the room and they have the stuff, people look at me like ultra weird because I'm doing this weird stuff. I'm not just doing the... Well, I'm not doing they'll learn, though. I mean, it, takes up, they'll eventually it takes up learn. space, too, right? Yeah. Which is hard. If everyone's doing these movements and now we're all walking around each other, people get annoyed, man. So yeah. like suddenly the, like the space required to do these workouts for 10 people is like not insignificant. Right. We see a lot of like home gyms. Well, and the, and the trainers know, right? Like I, I go to this little, or I used to, or I used to go to this little gym that was around the corner from my house. Not little, but it was a, a kind of a chainy gym, but they had a big turf area with kettlebells and, and functional fitness type stuff. And that's where all of the personal trainers had their people, right? Like is over right. there doing the stuff. Everybody else is over on the machines or whatever doing that. And um, I thought, well, this is telling. And it's funny that the people that, are doing those machines that obviously are in search of some, of some uh, guidance, and the sort of people that would pay for a personal training machine training session don't look over there and be like, "Well, what are they doing? Oh, they're not doing any of the stuff I'm doing." Right. Well, I think that's a good point too, and 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 definitely you can probably shed some light on this. But like, think what what is where's that dividing line between like the experts and the physical therapist, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, at what point in time do you? you know, be like, okay, like this is the, this is all I can do on my own. Now I need to go see a physical therapist. Oh, now you need yeah. to ask, uh, now you need to ask your bros in the soft league team room. Yeah. Right. Because that, I mean, because I mean, <laughs> I and, broke my leg. and the bro, and the bro knowledge is, is yeah. strong. Right. And it's a real thing. And it's something that like, you know, you know, people can recommend, you know, exercises, they can go online, they can do the research. And I, I think, you know, the, some common knowledge, I think, has or the level of common knowledge has, has risen. You know, when you start throwing around certain terminology and stuff like that. But like, at what point in time do you think people need to go see you as opposed to you know reading the supple effort? Right. Yeah. So, and I mean, you you look at like, do you wait so you have a tooth knocked out before you go to the dentist or before you're you know, you've got cavities like no we kind of have these annual yes yes okay <laughs> so we have one <laughs> so the the thought of waiting again like waiting until there's an injury to go talk to a pt um anytime's a good time to talk to a physio like go go in seek one out and you, you, it's not hard to find a cash-based physio and they're typically going to give you an hour one-on-one -on -one of your time where uh maybe the more conventional side is going to be 15 minutes with that person and then you're going to get handed off to a tech so I mean, honestly, any time is good, but... How do people, I, I, how do people find those guys? Because, like, you know, yeah, I mean, you can when search. people think PTs, they think rehab centers, like, right. at gyms, yeah. where, like, you're... I know what it's like. It's 15 minutes of time, and then they hand you off to attack. And right. nobody wants to do that. No. And yeah, you lose... You kind of lose faith. You lose a little bit of trust in it. So it is... It, and that's that's the whole idea with the Thor. It's, it's direct access. You you walk right in. You don't need a referral. You can just... You, you injure yourself, sprinting. You got a hamstring thing, boom, you're on the table in 90 seconds, and now we can start treatment. So the, the, the sooner you have an injury, uh, starting rehab as soon as possible. So you, know, you could just Google search um, you know, PT, physical therapy clinic in your area, and you, you can go to their website, and they'll tell you pretty quickly. But in terms of when is a good time, if you're chasing something that, I mean, I'd say a week, if, if it's not improving or if, if you think it's a tightness thing and you're, you're doing everything you could possibly do from the supple leopard and it's not improving, it's probably not a tightness thing. It's, it's probably something else, and that's your body's defense mechanism. And I can't tell you how many times I've treated somebody who had back they've been, tightness. They've been sitting on it for months. Right, yeah. It's like my back has been so tight when I deadlift, and I'm rolling it, and I'm, I'm doing all that. I'm going to the massage therapist, and it's not getting better. It's like, bro, your back is screaming at you. It's tightening up as the last line of defense. Like, don't roll your back after a deadlift. If anything, go on your stomach and do like do a press up because, you know, if your back's tight after that, there's a good chance you were probably out of position. So, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to ever have 
I mean, pain is always to me a, a first indicator because you're, you may be able to endure that pain, but your, your, your brain and, and the way it communicates to the, the, the rest of the body is going to start to develop compensatory patterns. And that's the issue that we see the most is when somebody is sitting on it for too long, we have to treat those compensatory patterns um, and then get back to the actual root of it. So you're just like peeling the onion. Yeah. So yeah, you want to make sure you're not having specific pain, especially if it's like back, knee, you know, hip, shoulder. Uh, but anytime you have like a numbness or any kind of like radiating, like that's that's sketchy. You need to get that yeah, checked and that's out. A, it, yeah, so that's a, that's a really good because I think a lot of people really fall subject to that is because you know the the spine will recruit that local musculature to be tight in order to protect itself from you know injury ultimately. Mm-hmm. But you know, and then and then people compensate for that tightness, and that's ultimately going to lead to more injuries down right, the road because absolutely. you're compensating for something that should be stable and yeah. it's not. Well, and, and people, it's you can't self. It's really, really hard, nearly impossible to self-diagnose this sort of stuff, you know. And well, yeah, and, you, just, and you can't. There's really, and it also, you guys are like chefs of the gym, right? Like you, you understand. Like I make this analogy, like the, the difference between a cook and a chef. A cook is someone that understands like the kitchen. They understand how to like heat things up, and they can read recipes, right? They can cut the recipe out of the Martha Stewart thing. They can cook it accurately. And at the end of it, they'll say, I like this or I didn't like it. There was a recipe's fault if it was bad. Whereas a chef can look at the recipe first and be like, oh, man, there's an imbalance of ingredients here. Like there's going to be too much acid or there's not enough salt or whatever. So I'm going to modify it as I'm cooking it and I'm going to make the best this thing could possibly be. And there's a ton of cooks in the gym. There's a ton of people that have ripped things out of men's health or men's fitness and have, have read an article and because they've read enough of that to the other people in the gym, they're like the best cook, right? So they're the that person month, they, right? Because it changes every month, and it's that that's yeah. The problem. And they're like, oh man, this guy knows what's up, and and what he knows is that he did this one workout out of like men's health, and it worked really well. And so then he tells the people like, oh, this is the workout you need to do, or you need to do this because I read it in a magazine. Whereas a real professional like you is like, hey man, no, 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 this is an individualized thing. You need to, this is what needs to work for you. This is how you need to do it. And here's why these elements work together to create this whole, you know, right. instead of just like, like we're cooking big, the recipe. We're big advocates of template programming. Like, you know, I bet's really like one, one shoe does fit all, like right. in a lot of aspects with most athletes. But once you have an injury, it's not like that anymore. Like you're not mm-hmm. talking about right. like, like a plug and play solution. Like everybody's body is different and an expert needs to get under the hood and be like, this is what's wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, and and you, just you, having a, a third party that knows what they're looking at, analyze right. what you're doing beforehand. So you make sure that you're on the right path because you yeah. build the, you know, the, you build that, I hate to say um, muscle memory, but you build that, those, those patterns and those pathways. And if they're fucked plasticity. up, plasticity, it's, if they're fucked up, it's so, so hard to unwind yeah. that. Well, and that's like, you can't mass produce quality like you can't I can't line up a hundred people in a room and, and like everybody raise your arms up and try to sit there and figure it out and that's kind of what social media yeah you can get some of that low-hanging fruit with a lacrosse ball I mean you, you can you can do some of these self-help type type tricks and if they help awesome good job keep up with it but if it doesn't work you know you need to look under the hood a little bit more you you can't expect social media and Google like dr. Google and especially like I mean there's so many types of shoes that come out every year. It's like shoe technology does not change that much. It's, 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 it's marketing. Like we're consumers essentially, right? Yeah, exactly. Consumers are customers. So it's, it, it is, it comes back to money and you have to find that person that you can talk to and they're going to give you time. Leave, leave vibrant vibes alone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like, they're, they're great. They're great shoes for building foot strength. Because but, they're uh, just your feet. It's just your right. feet. Right. <laughs> but well, if, if you try to, yeah, it's transition in two days and expect your, no, my calves hurt uh, yeah. stress fractures but stress no it's it's i don't know i mean i see so many injuries that it's going to happen like like the, the the top level athletes they have people in place for a reason you know it's a high risk job um you're putting yourself out there every day so you can't prevent like there's no such thing as injury pre- prevention it just you, you could do everything you possibly try but it doesn't work it's injury reduction and if you, if you can catch those things um going to go back to what chris was saying with the ankle you know screening your ankle being able to you know there's all kinds of tests you can you can check your know, dorsiflexion just the ability to um, kind of pull your foot up towards your face and that's that's a huge culprit for the back injuries and knee injuries, the hip injuries we see with squatting, you know, somebody's turning their feet really far out, kind of like power lifter stance, right? Like they, they can't acquire that, that hip rotation or that ankle flexion. So they, they try to compensate and 
I mean, anybody know a powerlifter who's not injured, like had macro trauma to the hip or Achilles oh, or chest, man. right? So they, they put themselves in these positions of efficiency from point A to point B. But when it comes to just being able to run around first base on your softball team on the weekend, they blow out their hip, you know, hips hanging out on first base and they're like halfway to second. So, I, I mean, it, it's, it's just knowing, knowing your limits, being humble enough to know like, okay, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but if I work on A, B and C, I'm, I'm going to get there because the, the, the shoulder and the hip are ball and socket joints and they have to be able to rotate before you can take them up or before you can drop down. And that's that's the missing piece more than anything. Roll, is slide, and glide, right? Roll, slide, and glide, not <laughs> shear. So we see too yeah. much shearing, and it's it's lack of understanding. I mean, you'll see some people kind of slamming around the, the TheraBand, but it's more to it than that. It's it's a it's a skilled approach where you have somebody kind of taking your hand and, and just helping you along the way to that point where they're like, hey, you know what? You're no longer in my direct line of vision. You're in my peripheral. So if you need me, call me. But you're like you're back. Go. Go do right. it. And real quick for everyone, just so they know the difference between compression and shear forces. Compression goes down, correct, and then shear goes side to side. Yeah, well, so shear, it's, shear is across itself, whereas compression is into yeah. itself. Exactly. I just want to clarify that for everybody. Yeah. And you can you can compress. Uh, um, shearing and compression loads are good. That's life. That's gravity. But if you don't know how to control it and if you add too much volume or you don't allow yourself to recover. That's typically what you'll see with low back injuries are those, those tiny, tiny little micro fractures that occur from it's good stress, right? So you're, you're loading your spine. If you don't allow it to recover, that's when that epidemic starts. And then you start to have these back issues. But, um, I think for a lot of, um, what I would consider to be non-professional athletes or, or, or recreational athletes, like the sort of a lot of people that uh, use a softly programming, like one of the things we talk about a lot is trying is the difference between working out and training. And I think that a lot of these issues, if you start thinking about it in that regard and identifying what you're training for and then identifying off season as non seasons and the off seasons being the times that you can dedicate to doing this sort of stuff, taking it slower, getting better, you know, recovering, fixing your issues, building up. So when you go to your, and your on season might be looking good at the pool, you know, whatever, but, but in the wintertime and summertime, if you could, if you could find a professional, start identifying these issues and just keep yourself healthier. Cause even if you don't have a sport that you're training for in the, in the sport you're training for is vanity, you still need to be healthy. You know, you still need to like be as efficient as possible. Cause and, it, yeah, you should. <laughs> well, I mean, but th there's just a lot, there's a lot of people that work out because they're trying to be healthy. Like you yeah. ask, why do you go to the gym? Because I want to feel better. Well, then why are you like trying to rip PRs every single month? Right. Well, because numbers are seductive and I like seeing big numbers. It's like, yeah, man, but that you've just, you've just broken your own promise to yourself, right? Like you When's said, the last you're time you had an off week or a deload week, you know, yeah. cause that, the thought of that, I mean, look at his head pop up like what? Well, guys, yeah. that guys get super pissed about it too. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that this, I feel like I'm doing, I feel like I wasted the week. And you're like, why this, did you waste the week? Well, I deloaded and I, I did active rest. What the fuck does that even well, mean? Well, and motherfuckers <laughs> get all like, they get pissed. They're like, so as a, you're managing a bunch of coaching emails now, right? Mm -hmm. Chris, do you get any emails from athletes that like express that they had an injury going for like a three rep max during a deload week? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what kills Shocking. me, man. You're like, hey, bro, we program 75%. Well, for they, a reason, they right? Feel, but again, like but that's... I could have done heavier, so no, I should I felt, be doing heavier. I felt fucking great. I know. What every that's person <laughs> says right <laughs> before they have an injury during a deload. Well, that, yep. but that, but I've been there. You're combating that ideology. Like, I mean, you're... Again, like the, the, the non-sexy training that supports the training is critical, right? Because, I mean, again, it goes back to the easy point. You know, you do not get bigger, stronger, faster when you train or work out, you get bigger, stronger, faster when you recover from working out, right? It's the right. adaptation that you get from that training that allows you to train more. Well, and it's the, and, and it's emphasis on what's important, right? The easiest part, even if you've got great programming, right? And there's mobility work at the end of your programming, that's the thing you're going to blow off, right? Like right. if you're time constrained in the gym, you're like, Oh, I normally have an hour and a half, but today I only have an hour and 10 minutes. Cause I got to get to this meeting or whatever. You're not going to blow off the major core lift you're not going to do like an like one less set because that's what's important. But I am going to blow off right. the stretching and the mobility at the end because oh, you know, until you have that back injury, and now you have to blow off the next two months. And that's that. It's it's it is it's a culture shift. It's understanding that there are 
very educated people who have tried this, it's, it's proven to be effective. Just stick with the program because any good program is going to have your prep, your, your movement actually working out and then your recovery. And it's all there for a reason. You, like you really can't yeah. skip and it. You'll, and you'll lift. Here's the, like the irony is like you'll lift more. Like oh, I mean, yeah, if, yeah, if yeah. you're if you're if you're the numbers guy and you're chasing the numbers in the gym, like like you're like like and I quote you know, you know Mike Bergner when he said that you know you, you need three things in order of precedence to be a successful lifter. And the first one is mobility. The second one is speed. And the third one's actually strength. Like if you can't get into the positions that allow you to access all of your musculature. Like you're never going to be a strong well, dude. Look at those, look at the little, the, the very small girls that are like Olympic powerlifting, yeah, right? Like the absolutely. Maddie Rogers of the world. I guarantee you that I right now have more rote strength than that girl. And she can put way more weight above Absol- her head than I can. Absolutely. And it's like, and again, it's I'm just, not entirely certain any of us are stronger than Maddie Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gotta be sustainable too. Like you can't, you can't just absolutely, I mean, you can't pass out deadlifting Monday, have two guys like peeling you off the floor um, and then come back the next week and do it all again. Like you have to be able to sustain, like your workouts should be across the board or like the numbers are only as good as, as I mean, you can keep up with them. So a one rep max doesn't really mean a whole lot a month ago because most people life is going to get in the way. It's true. It's going to change. So if you're always going off of that one number, you're kind of living in the past. I mean, it's a moving target that never happens. Yeah. (laughs) It's always a moving target. But I I think when you, when you play a sport, you understand that there are a lot of other pieces that go into actually playing that sport. So baseball was always one. Soccer was always one for me personally. Um, the guy that plays football, they're not just going to go out and they're not going to just run drills and crush each other for three hours, they're going to do footwork drills. They're going to do conditioning. They're going to do all these other little pieces. And then when it actually comes time to put it all together, they perform and they typically perform well. well. And that's, and that's kind of some of the, that's, that's a mantra that we kind of take into our programming is that it's, we're really not training for the high peaks. We're training for longevity. Cause I mean, a lot of people, I mean, we, we don't want the really short bright lights. We want the ones that are going to stay on for a long time. Cause we, if you view, you know, if, since we don't really have, you know, we're not, we're not CrossFitters, like we're not the sport of fitness, we're not powerlifters, we're not Olympic lifters. Like we use those tools and those methodologies to produce programming, but ultimately what we're training for is longevity. Right. And and you want to give people the greatest access to themselves over the course of their entire life, being able to do the maximum amount of things that they can possibly do, as opposed to, you know, being the guy who uses his one rep max lifts from high school that he like remembers from like back in the day, like, and, and that's, that was the best he'll ever be. And, you know, and, Uncle and, Rico. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We so. are all Uncle Rico. I don't <laughs> want to, I, I won't hey, suffer man. your insolence. Teddy. <laughs> if only they, could, they put me in. So we're, we're going to wrap it up, but is there any advice that you would give to the listeners? Like just overall, what's, what are the one or two most important things that you would think about? It's like, we talked a lot about a cultural shift and a shift to mindset. What do you think those most important mindset and cultural shifts are? Well, I mean, every day is a new day. So just don't be afraid to humble yourself when, especially if you have somebody who's, who's skilled at what they're doing, that's giving you advice and it's sound advice, whether it, it goes against your, your, uh, like typical thought process, or if it just looks different or weird, um, just don't be afraid to try change because that's, that's what works. I mean, anything works for a short period of time, but typically the injuries occur when you get stuck in the same movement pattern, same programs for prolonged periods of time. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, just be patient, uh, listen to your body, especially, I think that's always a, a big piece of it, but don't wait until pain actually shows up. If you just start to feel something's a little off, you know, don't be afraid to reach out or ask for help. Cause again, the higher you go, the more, the more you move, the more active you are, the more you do need those kind of pit stops and those, those, uh, you know, conversations with your coach or physio. Right on, man. Well, thanks again for coming out, Theo. It was a great time talking. I hope people learned something. Um, Hope you guys check us in next week for the uh, Dial Living Podcast. Peace.